live from the internet, it's the Narrative After Show, bringing you the entire week in review, with Rachel Bittacoffer, Eric Garland, and here's your host, Zeb Chalet. Well, howdy. How are you, Rachel? A bit of coffee. It's nice to be with you tonight on this after show on a Friday night. Can you believe it's May 20th already? I was like, oh my no, God. No. What happened to the That's year? Not, huh? It is a little shocking. I'm a little surprised by that. How's your week been? I solemnly swear I've been up to no good. Uh huh. What kind of no good have you been up to? <laughs> the kind of no good I can't alliterate to. I can only alliterate to. But uh, it's been a busy week, you know, work, getting stuff yeah. ready, making war, so, making war, uh, not love. Are you finding some, <laughs> I, I love your Twitter feed lately because it's full of the best one-liners in the entire world. And I'm sure you're just testing stuff on the audience, which is a good way of doing yes, it. Exactly, but right? have you found any gems that you particularly like on your Twitter feed this week? This oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, frankly, I, <laughs> I'm up to so many things that I cannot tell anybody about. It's really frustrating because I want to tell people, hey, look at this thing that's coming, you know, but I'm not working for Strike Pack anymore. I'm working with other things and other right. groups and other people. And it's, so I, I have to just wait to these things come I out. Love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I'll be waiting patiently for all those things because I have faith in you. And if anyone can do it, you can do it. I'm sure there's a messaging issue maybe with the Democrats up until now, but there's certainly a messaging fix with the Democrats. It can't be that impossible to fix it. And if anyone can, Rachel Bittercoffer can. I believe in you. <laughs> we have an interesting show tonight. Eric Garland is meant to be here, but he's not because uh, he's busy doing some other crazy things, good things, I hope. Uh, look at our YouTube chat today where I see already some folk from Arizona are there. Stacey Pinkston has joined and Just Another Human has joined and uh, all these others. Keep joining us there. And also, if you're a member of Patreon, you can join us at narrative.org forward slash TV where you can actually get your messages on screen here. So that's narrative.org forward slash TV. If you're a patron, uh, we'll be looking out for any messages you have for Rachel and I during the show. Now, it's been a busy week, as we pointed out, but I was going to talk about uh, Madison Cawthorn, which is my big topic of the week, because I like this poster that I did for Madison. Which yes, is, very much. She's all about Madison goes dark. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it up here. Oh, I lost the background. But there you see, uh, Maddie goes dark and other election stories, because... This was a particularly good week, I think, for Democrats in some ways. I mean, we've certainly didn't get as much of a routing as we thought from the Trump nominees or candidates in the primaries. Is that right? Am I reading it correctly? That things weren't as bad as, as they could have been? No, here's the thing, right? Like people get hung up on which candidate did Trump support, mm -hmm. like and actually endorse in a race. But most of the field in most of these contests are aligned with the Trump doctrine of the big lie, big coup, and future guarantees of election malfeasance. So it's really important for people to understand. You can slice data and make yourself feel good. You can say, oh, well, look, you know, yeah, the Trump nominee won in Pennsylvania, or it looks like Oz will win the end. But 70% of Pennsylvania Republicans didn't vote for the Trump guy. But another 20% voted for the lady who actually marched down to the Capitol. Right, right it's true. So like, you know, like, <laughs> the actual <laughs> insurrectionists did actually get voted in in some instances. So you're saying that's not necessarily the best of news, but it's good that Trump maybe is not as key a figure as he was. Maybe he's... No, he is just as much of a figure. Okay. In fact, the NBC <laughs> data that came out... 55% of Republicans today, after all this stuff that's happened yeah. and all of the revelations, 55% of Republicans in this poll still identify him as the leader of the party, dude. If I'm looking at the 2024 nomination cycle and I'm getting those numbers, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm Donald Trump. It's really fascinating, right? Because we've never really had a leader of a party when they're not in. When the president has only left office and they've left office, they've left stage. Yeah. Here he is still functioning as a leader of a party. Yeah, He's that's the Don the, yeah. of the party, right? Yeah. That's a little different than being a leader of the party. Yes. <laughs> But I mean, he's, he's running that. a mob. I mean, it's basically like a crime, you know, yeah. cartel now in the yeah. Republican Party. So I'm glad you used the word cartel because I do feel like that's exactly what they are. I mean, I feel like that's maybe a word that we underuse, but there is a definite feeling amongst these Republicans that they're basically a crime organization, that they've given up on democracy and picked up crime. It's not just that they want autocracy. They just are interested in criminal activity. And that seems to be a, a theme. 
And none, no one is leading that charge more eagerly than this woman. Much yep. ado about Ginny is what I called the slide, but she's in the New York Times today with some stunning new emails, which she wrote to people who are involved in selecting the state electors in Arizona. And I know that's a state you're very familiar with. In this particular uh, set of emails, this is kind of stunning. So I'll just read you the, the bit from the article here so you can, if you haven't seen it, you can catch up. She's, it says here, this is according to the Washington Post, sorry. Virginia Ginny Thomas, the conservative activist and wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, pressed Arizona lawmakers after the 2020 election to set aside Joe Biden's popular vote victory and choose a clean slate of electors, whatever that may mean, according to emails obtained by the Washington Post. The emails sent by Ginny Thomas to a pair of lawmakers on November the 9th, two days after the elections, argued that legislators needed to intervene because the vote had been marred by fraud, though she did not mention either candidate by name the context was clear. And this is Supreme Court justice wife. This is not like yeah, nobody. This is a real problem. somebody. I mean, there's, that does not give her some kind of legal immunity, by the way. No. Right? <laughs> no, I mean, if anything, should compel more, in my opinion, more scrutiny and more Just. the life of a Supreme Court judge. You know, people are refusing to pick this up because no one knows where it fits into the diagram. You know, they look at the diagram of the American Constitution. They're like, well... Is this in this branch or is this in this branch or does this cross over? You know, who adjudicates stuff that revolves the Supreme Court? Now, she's not on the Supreme Court, correct? But she no. has influence clearly with her, no, her husband. No, that's the purpose of the law. She's yeah. a resident of whatever state they live, D.C., Virginia, Maryland, probably, mm-hmm. right? One of those. Yeah. And she attempted to orchestrate in a conspiracy the overturning of federal election in another yep. state. Yep. So to That's me, exactly right. it's a pretty obviously a federal case, right? She's a resident of one state committing a crime in another, and they definitely better investigate it. I hope they do. I wonder if they will, because it's the January 6th committee seems to be uninterested in focusing on her. And that's surprising to me. But I'll read you one of the emails that came out. This is her writing, I think, to one of these people who chooses these electors. Article two of the United States Constitution gives you an awesome responsibility to choose our state's electors. November 9th email. Please take action to ensure that a clean slate of electors is chosen. Before you choose your state's electors, consider what will happen to the nation we all love if you don't stand up and lead. Who is she? Why is this woman telling people what their awesome responsibility is according to her interpretation of the United States Constitution? It seems to me that she's sort of hinting that that is something that you know, almost speaking in the voice of Clarence Thomas there, giving the Supreme Court authority to command these people to do these things. I mean, it would be something to get an email like that from the wife of a Supreme Court justice. You would take it seriously. And especially if you were that familiar with what was going on in the world, I mean, in the broader electoral interference world, you might not think, you know, I think that's true. You might think that this is a Supreme Court justice speaking through his wife to the people of Arizona. You you get this certain amount of credibility and legitimacy out of that kind of background. And you can see that she's intentionally kind of framing herself almost as Supreme Court judge by osmosis, right? Or proximity. (laughs) It's a huge problem because if you think about being a little lowly Arizona state Republican in the state house, because let's keep in mind who people are that serve in these state legislatures most of them are very humble on the right and on the left. Yeah. And these positions are, I mean, not humble, like coming from the working class, but they're not billionaires, right? Yeah. And millionaires. And a lot of them um, work in session, but other than that, have full-time other careers, right? Mm-hmm. To have the wife of a Supreme Court justice reaching out and exerting that kind of pressure, it's a very significant abuse. Yeah, I mean, she certainly is committing a crime here. And it's not just this. We've seen a buildup of evidence around Ginny Thomas, everything from her emails to Meadows, uh, text messages to Meadows, but also her activity on the uh, Council for National Policy, where she's been an active member for a long period of time. And so that is the council that has been moving a lot of these things, that has been actively pursuing an autocratic state. So it's certainly... She's not just an accidental observer into this. In fact, I was really glad because I'd not seen this in the mainstream media before, but the Washington Post points out something that is really important about Ginny's past, and that is this. So according to the Post, 
She has something to do with Steve Bannon going back three decades. Ginny Thomas has insisted that she and her husband have kept their work separate, but her political activism has set her apart from other Supreme Court spouses. About a decade ago, she and Stephen K. Bannon, sorry, I said three, but I meant one decade ago, who later became chief strategist for the Trump White House, were among the organizers of Groundswell, a group formed to battle liberals and establish Republicans. Groundswell dedicated itself to a 30-front war seeking to fundamentally transform the nation, according to emails uncovered by Mother Jones at the time. Election integrity was among the topics discussed in the group's first months, the emails showed. So Steve Bannon, I have a, you know, I used to call him Beijing Bannon because that's really what I thought his, his sole source of income was, but he, which it definitely is. I mean, he certainly is allied to folks in China, but I suspect as well that he gets other money from other countries who are interested in his intelligence work. So I don't want to say he's exclusively China, but basically you've got Beijing Bannon there colluding with Jenny Thomas 10 years ago to basically do what they're doing right now, which is overthrow the will of the people. That's not a good look. This guy's a, he should have registered as far if he hasn't yet. But, you know, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that that's exactly where he gets his marching orders from. It's from Beijing. So that's where the origins of all of this comes from. And he certainly, we know that during January the 6th, he was one of the key people who instigated the whole thing. I mean, he was the one who went to Donald Trump and said, hey, let's do the insurrection on January the 6th. Let's disrupt the vote on January the 6th. So he's one of the key people involved in that. And he did that right after getting his pardon. So talk about a conspiracy, a double conspiracy. First to get pardoned and then to throw this insurrection. And now we know that it's potentially- He's not the only one, right? I mean, Roger Stone got pardoned to also help plot and plan and execute an insurrection, right? Yeah. I mean, my God, look at like the level of- If we heard this shit about any other country, we'd be like, God, look at that shithole third world country, you know? It's true. It's it's a problem. (laughs) It is really true. And I worry about that, that this is where we're at because there is just so much corruption going on. It's sad because how do we turn this- group around like this these people cannot be reformed these people are not going to change their mind they're in now um it's sort of it's like joining a cult it's very hard to pull them out of those situations it's worse than that zev because think about it's not just that they're not going to change their minds they're into it now no no they plotted it right Right. so like they're now like yielding and or bringing in like the fruits of massive investment and labor, not only do like they can't be swayed by like, hey, you're accidentally destroying democracy. That's the point. It's not a bug. It's yeah. the entire purpose of what they've done is to put us in this moment. And they're so close to tipping it over, to getting mm. it all the way across into the end zone that really like we're I think we're on like the five. They're definitely in the red zone. It is a when you say red zone. I don't know what you mean by red zone, but it's certainly you don't to, know what that means. no, no. I, to me, it means yeah. I know that there's a sports term for that. I get that. No, but in real football, in American <laughs> football, okay, they have football here in the Canada. end zone. When you get within a certain yardage, come on, Zev, you don't know this. I do know this. I do know this, but I was trying to make a part of the red zone because I was thinking the red zone as in the China zone because I do yeah. think that China has corrupted uh, the entire GOP. And I think we're beginning to see that that really is the case when you look at and Bannon and company and, and all these other things, which we're going to show you a little later on because there's more Chinese influence going on in tonight's show amongst Republicans. Uh, that's coming up. Uh, Marissa, by the way, says the fact that Clarence hasn't divorced Jenny means he endorses all her crazy. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Yeah. I think he feeds it to tell you the truth. I think he's just as bad as she is, but not as stupid. (laughs) Right, which is kind of surprising for an African-American. I mean, it just seems like unlikely that he would be the person who would be doing that. But then, you know, you can't. There's always exceptions to to rules. Always. You know know what I mean? Yeah, Daisy yeah. Fiddler says she agrees, by the way. Um, thank you, guys. And again, that's a narrative.org forward slash TV. If you guys want to comment on the show, we're also watching the YouTube chat. You've been out and about and talking a lot about um, the new buzzword amongst Republicans as CPAC takes place in Hungary of all places. Um, what's going on? What's this whole white replacement theory about? Yeah, I mean, thinking of or speaking of Steve Bannon, I'm sure he's in Hungary right now, or at least getting zoomed in to attend CPAC in Hungary, where they're celebrating white autocracy, white conservative far right autocracy. And that's exactly what they're emulating us to be a former Eastern Soviet bloc 
country, mm-hmm. <laughs> who, by the way, this conservative pimpers paradise like notion that Tucker Carlson has, it has free community co- or free college, universal health care, paid family leave, right? But why that's, they, I that. no Is that true? Is that like, true? About basically no private gun ownership at yeah. all, right? Mm-hmm. What they like about it is that it's new, it's slipping. It's slipped into autocracy now officially, but it's still very early into this new system. And Orban has used that, his control to make some significant changes, not the least of which is to come pretty hard off of like the great replacement theory stuff. And that's, you know, what they want to emulate. It's a European construct. You're here, replacement theory. And I also caution people not to think of it as the great replacement theory, because whether it's here or over there in Hungary, it's about white replacement. Okay. The neo-Nazis called it the great replacement, even though it's really about, hey, white people are getting replaced. Right, because they knew it would be more marketable. So mm. let's not do them any favors and use their more marketable brand. Yeah. Okay. It's the white replacement theory, WRT, and it's a lot scarier than CRT, I might add. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a good point. That's a very smart point you make there. The reality of what these policies look like are the kind of policies that we're seeing in states right now. Um, you know, the abortion laws, for example, those abortion laws are not designed really to protect life. They're designed to make it impossible for poor people to get access to abortion and make their lives miserable. You know, it's designed to sink people in poverty further into poverty. It's designed to make black people not want to live in those states. That's what it's designed to do. It's designed to absolutely to accentuate the differences between what white people and black people go through on a daily basis. And that really is the kind of white replacement theory that reminds me a lot of what it was like growing up in South Africa. It wasn't obvious a lot of the time that you were living in, a, in an apartheid state, except black people had a lot less access to things and that they had less access to even travel or transportation or any of the things that you as a white person could have. And that's what it feels like they're sort of adopting as their basis. It's sort of, it's not racism, it's just economic apartheid almost. It's a way of introducing race laws through apartheid, through economic disparity, so to speak. So that to me is a, is really a challenging environment for, to be in. I mean, that's we're fighting a monster here. And people who are sort of sugarcoating it or buying DeSantis's or Abbott's sweet talking of these policies are misunderstanding them. There's nothing good that comes out of any of these abortion laws or the don't say gay bill. At the end of the day, it's going to hurt the people who are weaker and are suffering more those are the people it's going to hurt and it's going to weaken the whole American union because we won't be able to build a powerful union that can be viewed respectfully around the world. I mean, it is going to mostly hurt the meek, right? The yeah. meek and unpowerful. But like, let's be clear, that's not good enough to them, right? They're structuring this shit to get us all. So they're going to catch those people, which any like restricted and draconian abortion policy would. But they are casting their net so fine that it's going to capture all the middle class and upper middle class people too. They're making it, you know, their goal is to make it so that you can't take somebody out of state to get an abortion. They'll be fighting to do the national abortion ban. If they take control of Congress and the presidency in 24, I guarantee you that Mitch McConnell would suspend the filibuster (laughs) for that one piece of policy, right? And so, like, there's nowhere and no woman that is going to be fully enfranchised with the same rights as her male counterparts anywhere in the U.S. the day that that Roe decision comes down. And that's really the conversation that we want to be having. But yeah, in terms of these red states, think about the time period in between where you may have a national abortion bans go into effect in 23 or so states, outlawing it all abortion, even Plan B. Right. And think about America, because we could be living in that America, frankly, as early as the fall for some of these states, because trigger laws are going to make abortion illegal in about 13 states. I think Michigan, her the governor up there managed to sue to keep that law from enacting immediately upon repeal. But I think most states that have it are not going to contest the trigger law. And we could see abortion policies come out, model legislation that come across all these Republican chambers that have been focusing on six-week bans. And that's a model bill that was cooked up in the Republican legislation cooking machine at ALEC. Mm. Um, We're going to see model bills, I think, that ban it from completely ban abortion, no period of time, 
often maybe without any exceptions, and they'll go after the plan B pill, which probably prevents, you know, I mean, I have no idea how many, but it prevents a lot of abortions, right? And then on top of that, they've they've got these systems where you as a citizen can spy on your neighbor. And if they think that you've had an abortion or attempted to have an abortion or anything like that, then they are the ones who can take you to court. I mean, that is a very cynical place for America to land up. It's a very dark, I mean, there's Republican legislators who have gone on the record to say specifically, we are going to make these laws so that women cannot leave the state. That's the goal. So don't think for one second that this legislation in a complete constitutional wildland, which mm. is where the status of woman will be, once mm. the foundation, our jurisprudence foundation for our constitutional rights, that people can talk about, oh, women have this constitutional right. That's the fucking point of the case. Mm. If they eviscerate Roe, we don't have constitutional right to privacy and all of that stuff is just wiped out so it's really important for people to understand the severity of what's coming Mm. down the track that they're not safe wherever they are because ultimately if they take national control they're going to use it to come after abortion nationally but we really are going to see the politics i think switch right away because we're going to hear about women trying to flee states who Mm. have cancer for late term Mm. abortion other health things, rape victims. It's just going to be a shit so show. Headlines. What would happen in that environment? Let's like say someone does have cancer late term abortion. Are they flee a state? They're no longer welcome back in that state or they're going to be arrested? No, or? I think these states are going to design bills that turn them into felony murder. You know, they're going to charge them with murder. <laughs> like, like, that's what the goal is, dude. So, like, you know, I mean, even in cases knows? of rape, even in cases of anything like that, you basically, there's the, wow, wow, I wow. mean, the law will allow for it, though, right? Some of these proposed laws are being designed specifically to keep people from traveling out of state to receive abortion services. That we know for sure. That is not conjecture. What is conjecture and always is with policy is what will happen once it's implemented and executed, right? Right. Because it meets the natural environment of human behavior. But we do have a good idea of what human behavior does under certain circumstances Mm. and how things tend to evolve. It's not like policy cannot be anticipated in any way. And if you think about like just between Oregon and Idaho, Idaho is one of the most restrictive abortion states. It's going to go full draconian as soon as possible after Roe. And these two states are on border with Oregon passed a a statewide constitutional protection for Roe in the state of Oregon. You cannot ask for two more dioramic, you know, situations. And we're going to start to see very quickly what happens to women when they leave Idaho to get aboard services. And what this kind of thing will do to, you know, your average relationship, your average marriage with, you know, it can be quite striking. I mean, a lot of things that you would have taken for granted as as some sort of rights to secure women in, in domestic abuse cases and other things like that could really quickly go out the window based on this kind of legislation. That is really terrifying when you put it that way. And I think more people need to put it that way. I, the reality of it is we're all going to get stripped of our rights and we are going to be subject of the state. And whoever that state yeah. is, is going to be a very frightening looking thing. I mean, it's not like we're, yeah. you know, it's not like we know, we actually do know what they look like. So we have a good sense of who they are and they're not friendly by any means. We have to take a little break, but read this quick ad. And then we've got a bunch of messages. We'll get to everybody. And then also we'll keep going down the list of all nanigans. So here we go. So it seems that every day there's a new health threat. So that is true. And uh, one of the best ways to reclaim your immune system is eating healthy. But how do you get all the vitamins and nutrients you need in a convenient, affordable way? It's really difficult. I've been trying to do it. It's hard to get all your nutrients that you need just on the food you eat alone, never mind if you're trying to balance your budget. That's why I did the 30-day Athletic Greens Challenge for one month in April. I took the AG1 supplement throughout April and tracked my increases in energy levels my overall well-being and how my immune system was functioning. And I got to tell you, after 30 days, it was pretty remarkable and I'm still doing it. I did not stop taking Athletic Greens every day. It tastes delicious. It really does. You put it in a glass of water, you stir it around for a little bit, and it doesn't taste like your typical green drink. This one is actually delicious. It's a little tropical in flavor and really, really yummy. Plus, AG1 is engineered to provide all the right nutrients at just the right time. Whether you want increased energy or improved muscle recovery, they've got it covered. And because they care about your wallet too, AG1 will only cost you around three bucks a day, and there are no hidden fees. 
And this is a special offer for Athletic Greens narrative fans. So if you're a narrative fan, you get this incredibly generous offer from them. They're going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash narrative. That's N-A-R-A-T-I-V, like we spell narrative. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash narrative to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Now you know. Um, so we're back live and we're talking to, um, let's talk to some people on the Twitter here on the message board on narrative.org forward slash TV. Some Daisy Fiddler is saying that she thinks that Ginny seems to of the same ilk as Oz. No, I met Oz. I know Oz. I met him when I was working in television and he was a pretty awesome guy. I got to say, like, he was a pretty nice guy. Now, I mean, was he interested in his own fame and fortune? Yes. Did he sell people a lot of crazy things on TV that he shouldn't have in terms of healthcare? Yes. He did all those things. But really nice, really sweet, really generous. He was a good guy. So I don't endorse him in any way. Of course not, because I think he's obviously just finding another chapter in his wealth building. But, you know, all that matters is he doesn't seem like a terrible human being. There's probably some worse choices in that list of Pennsylvania candidates. I want to talk to you about the damn guy in Pennsylvania. Is it John Fetterman? What's your take on John Fetterman? You know, I think that he, it speaks for himself, right? I mean, I, as soon as I saw John Fetterman, I think it was you know during 2020, I was like, oh, that guy's going to be a great candidate, you know? Yeah. And he's authentic as, right? Yeah. And like the idea that you would, like, there's nothing to fear about in this environment, <laughs> a candidate like John Fetterman. In fact, it's, you know, I will sleep easier at night knowing he's on the ticket in Pennsylvania because Shapiro is very digestible, but also very blasé and Fetterman's all spicy. Mm. So, and there's actually a really dynamic young African American running too on the third statewide. So it's going to be a great ticket. And Fetterman is definitely a terrific candidate. I think so too. As a lieutenant governor, he was so visible during COVID and uh, really appeared in a lot of places, but with the a real sort of folksy and, you know, earnest kind of way of approaching things. Some people on the progressive part of the Democrats say that he is, you know, a new type of Democrat that he's a, not a progressive black candidate, that he's a poor white person's candidate versus a poor black person candidate. And I've heard that, uh, you know, from some people on the progressive left. Is that what's necessary right now? Maybe that's just what's necessary to move, you know, in order to attract the electorate, which has moved more to the far right. Maybe the Democrats have to move a little bit to the right to get that those swing voters. Is that would that be the case? Doesn't move to the right, guys. I mean, I mean, hopefully, what people are figuring out is that what's more important than left, right, or like mm. these issue positions is being a brand ambassador, being out there and owning the fact that you're a Democrat, and then defining for the electorate what that means and why that's better for them. And, and Fetterman fills all of those boxes. Mm. Well, but you should do this kind of stuff. You know, you're good at the spinning stuff and this good uh, election strategizing messaging says stuff. It's really good. It's, it suits you well. It's, some people on the YouTube also say well, that. I better is- be good at it if I sit there and critique <laughs> other people all fucking day. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty, you're, you're you know the best there I mean, is. Dude? No, no, you are. <laughs> Um, I, I'm very careful of what I say, Roger, I have to say. Uh, Carolyn uh, oh. Ga- <laughs> Garman is saying... Oh, don't tell me you're guarded. That makes me well, sad. I'm not guarded. I just don't want to be proven wrong because I know you'll eviscerate you every time I say it. It was just oh, like I'm a slight look. i dude. I mean, I totally am not... I am good at what I'm good at, almost like Rain Man, you know? Yeah. And then mm-hmm. like, boy, the shit that I'm bad at, though, guys, like I can get lost. I cannot understand how people... Like, you know, you ask, like, where is something? And they'll say, oh, go west on, you know, Highway 1. And you're like, west, you know? (laughs) How in the fuck am I supposed to know right here which way west is? If it's sunrise or sunset, (laughs) got it, right? But if it's high noon, dude, I mean, what am I going to do? And I just, I'm at a loss as to how people do that. So, yeah, I'm good at the things I'm good at, but I am no by no means. (laughs) The things you're good at? Really, you're really, really good at them, which is why we love having you here because uh, you're so good at this stuff. <laughs> There's a lot of other people on this uh, chat group wanting to share their thoughts. We'll get to them in just a second. But I, I just want to get to a couple of more people that I just deserve some mention this week. We had mentioned him off the top. Here is the man, uh, they call Madison Cawthorn. He's also announced this week that he is 
according to his Instagram message, he's going to, I guess he's joining the dark forces of the MAGA movement. I didn't know they were darker forces of the MAGA movement. <laughs> but here's what he said on Instagram, and thankfully provided us a list of all the people that he is endorsing and feeling happy about in that world of his. But he says that when the establishment turned their guns on me, the guns on him, what? When the uni party, what's a uni party, coalesced to defeat an American first member, very few people had my back. This list, this is the list that you see on maybe 20 people, are the, are the people who did have his back, apparently, uh, came to the defense when it was not politically profitable. These are honorable men and women who are the type of friends anyone yearns to have at the beginning of a change of the national figure who I believe are patriots. But I'm on a mission now to expose those who say and promise one thing, yet legislate and work towards another. Self-profiteering globalist goals. It's time for dark MAGA to truly take command. We have an enemy to defeat, but we are, will never be able to defeat them until we defeat the cowardly and weak members of our own party. Their days are numbered and we are coming. Wow. He's going nowhere, obviously. I mean, this guy's done, right? Presumably he's done. No, but, uh, not at all, dude. No? Seb, check it out. Go put that shit back up on the TV for a okay, second. Okay. Hold yeah, on. Okay, yeah. Can you see it like, like I want people to see this. This is the future NSAI, whatever, the National Socialist German Workers Party. There's your <laughs> brand. That's what it's going to be called. Now we know what the Nazi movement's going to be in America. It's going to be called the America First Party. Okay. Right. And Madison has just listed out its starting roster that we will watch grow and grow and grow unless we do something right away to defeat it. So no, Madison Cawthorn's not going to disappear. He's, you know, this is hard for me to feel, but I know like if I was being objective, he's a good looking guy. You know, he's got the wheelchair thing. He's got media. It's all he cares about is media. I and mean, he's always been in Congress to be on media, not to do anything with policy. So you're not, he's not going away. That said, I mean, I also want to point out too, like he didn't get primary because of those things. Like this okay. statement is not why, like he might have created that in his mind, but mm. the reason he got purged out is because he can't keep his mouth shut on the party's biggest secrets. And so he had to go, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, he's not purged out because he's too radical. It's so important to emphasize that yeah. they purged Madison Cawthorn because the dude couldn't keep his mouth shut about the cocaine orgy, orgies, right? I mean, it was the cocaine orgies <laughs> that he couldn't keep it, which I mean, every time they put one of these releases out, I thought, well, you know, these releases about him that was sort of tawdry and, and unsavory, you'd think, oh, well, he must be doing that. They must be doing that because the cocaine orgies must be real. Otherwise, they wouldn't be going after him. I mean, it just no feels doubt. to me like I that. Mean, they definitely do. I mean, you saw, guys, they purged Liz Cheney out of leadership yeah. and now are attempting to purge her out of the party for doing being antithesis to Madison Cawthorn. It's not about that. Yeah, it was right. about this extra bridge too far talking about dirty little secrets and then once that started to happen by the way i mean it's not like the shits are organic i have to say get hats off uh tip of the hat to whoever was behind the work revealing all this cawthorn shit yeah. it was a wonderful political hit job and we needed it and it felt <laughs> great and so i'm happy to see him gone I'm happy to see him gone too. The list of people here, I mean, look at these people. It's like Tucker Carlson, uh, I don't know all of these people, but uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, usual suspects, Matt Gates, Donald Trump, the great Charlie Kirk, yep. Paul Gosar, Steve Bannon. It's like a who's who of the insurrection here. Yeah, that's Cernovich. your yeah. I mean, he basically just gave us a list of his ride or die insurrection buddies. Yeah. <laughs> Like I mean, these are the people that he truly trusts, right? That are completely on the boat with him. Yeah. These are the people yeah. as well that, uh, you know, I keep throwing this up there because people need to remember that this is what he does for his vacations. Uh, Madison Cawthorn there on yeah. vacation being at the house of the Fuhrer, seeing the Eagle's Nest has been one of my bucket lists uh, for a while. It did not disappoint. Strange to hear so many laughs and share such good times with my brother, where only 79 years ago, a supreme evil uh, shared laughs and good times with his compatriots. That's what it reminds you. <laughs> Which is how anyone would define their time at the Eagle's Nest, right? Yeah. I mean, that is shocking. That is just shocking. Just, uh, oh my god! You know, like yeah. you know, I don't know if you guys saw this on my Twitter feed, and, and you know, not to plug another show on your show, but it's the okay. Tony Michael show. 
put out this uh, graphic, like this video of the Star Wars. You know how Star Wars start with the big scripts that come and it like goes up to the screen and it disappears. Yeah. So they put that that rant from Madison Cawthorn into like a Star Wars format with oh, a really? voice that reads it out, and it literally like it could be one of those things. It's so it weird. Sounds, but it's probably his inspiration. I mean, where did he get Dark Maga from? I mean, yeah. I admit, the <laughs> first thing I thought was it sounds like Dark Vader. It just does. It just has that that same ring. So. Maybe that's where you got it well, from. Well, you always have to figure, like, there's got to be people out there rooting for the bad guys, right? Yeah. And now we know who they are. <laughs> like, we sure do. They're the kids that go to the eagle's nest on their bucket list. On their vacation. <laughs> the last thing I'd want to do on my vacation list. in Europe would be you to know? go to the eagle's nest. It's the very last thing. I couldn't even think of any. There's like a thousand things I'd rather do in Europe than that. No there you shit, go. dude. How do you even get that on a bucket list? True, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Cawthorn loves Hitler, says Marissa. I can't help but think he knows what he's doing when he says genteel politics. He does. That is a weird thing, the genteel politics. What is he, what is he talking about there? Is he really the Fuhrer of the future in America or is he just uh, making noise because he's a little hurt by losing his seat there? Yeah. I also noticed the genteel politics yeah. thing. I can't remember. Like, I remember it feeling out of context, mm. right? Like, you know, because it's, of course, the gentles, for people who don't know, that's how the Nazis referred. I mean, that's how at that time period, really, in Europe and all over Europe, the, the way, you know, Christians and Jews were delineated was Gentile and Jew, right? right. Yeah. And I remember seeing that and thinking that is some weird shit <laughs> did he misspell <laughs> he that he misspelled genteel as gentile, I, I, right? i'm wondering i thought he spelt it maybe he must have spelt it wrong or she wouldn't have quoted it yeah so that's I interesting can you tell marissa. us uh, marissa because <laughs> we i thought gentile was actually spelt that way i thought genteel was spelt like gentile but maybe you're right maybe what he's he just misused the spelling which would make it even more obvious um that yeah. he's referring to hitler wow that's uh that's kind of crazy. Yeah, you know, like the more I think about it, I'm like, okay, there's no way that, like, even 12 months ago, that I would even really know like what the eagle's nest was until mm -hmm. I really took this deep dive into like Nazi studying the Nazis to prevent them, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking, anyone that put that shit on their bucket list over all the things in Europe to go see mm -hmm. also had to be looking quite extensively <laughs> into right. Nazism to yeah, have yeah. that come on their radar, dude. Yeah. You like, know that the Fuhrer has two as a two dot thing above the U, then and you go on to the trouble on your Instagram to figure out how to put that in there. Yeah. Then yeah, then then you know, and I would say, you know, they're saying maybe he spelled genteel wrong, but he did spell Gentile. So I if that's the correct spelling of genteel Marissa that you Put in there that I don't think it's a mistake. I think it's exactly what he's trying to say. Yeah, it's a little too. terrifying. Uh, Daisy Fiddler says the GOP is a Hitler cult, even if they don't invoke the name. Certainly beginning to appear like that. Yeah, and that now is, we know it's going to be called the America First Party. Yeah, A A right F P as if A F P A F like you know. Dark MAGA AF. It's different from Ultra MAGA, right? Because Ultra MAGA was what the uh, Democrats were saying about the Republicans' extremist policies was that they were Ultra MAGA. So yeah, you got the you Dark know, MAGA, the Ultra MAGA. In words, we can't just say one thing. You know? <laughs> like, there's a difference between MAGA and Ultra MAGA. Yeah. Okay. What is the difference? Do you know. <laughs> <laughs> all it is is making my life of branding harder, right? We right. just call them all Trump Republicans, MAGA Republicans, <laughs> Ultra MAGA. <laughs> Ultra MAGA is hard to hard to say. It's hard to say. I will say it is. And it, we... well, the problem is, is that. I mean, here's, it's more than just that. So it is that, but it's also that, you know, you're deflect or you're separating this. There's MAGA and it's 70% of the Republican party. It's not a coalition. It's not a faction. It's the ruling <laughs> group. Mm, right. And you don't want to slice it further down for no reason. You want, in fact, to make it larger, like a big, you know, you see a cougar in the path, make yourself mm, large. Mm. That's what they do. They right. talk. They don't say some Democrats are are pushing for socialism. They say Democrats, right? Right. right. So they really want to. We have to return fire in that regard. And so, that's in that a really way, good point. Like, really good point. You know, you don't want to give. There, it's effective to be able to say this is the vast majority of the Republican Party. So from there, we don't want to slice and dice it. Right. Know? Right. So yeah, they just basically are. They are one thing. And right now, they seem to be one thing. And everyone who was 
different in that party seems to have left that party, although they still somehow have not found their home in the Democratic Party. They're sort of still out there. Let's turn to another story this week because it just has the funniest handle I could find anywhere in the world uh, because this is the scandal of Elon Gate. Did you get this about Elon Musk this week? Oh, my gosh. I just was tweeting about how his mother needs to take his damn phone away. (laughs) I mean, I get, like, why other people might enjoy watching somebody with billions of dollars melt down in public. But for me, it's just, as a mom, it's painful to watch this guy (laughs) totally thanking himself all day on Twitter. And, you know, you just want to, like, you want someone to grab him and say, you are hurting yourself. Stop. I think he (laughs) knows that. I think he knows that. I I think he's, I I mean, no, when I feel like there's a certain type of personality that gets sucked into one of these things. So there's that, you know what I mean? But also, I think he thinks that he's winning. I think he thinks that the things that he's doing are helping and each thing is another foot down in the shithole that he's digging for himself and you just you know it's painful to watch well today's scandal i mean it wasn't for today maybe it was yesterday that he was uh he had had to pay two hundred fifty thousand dollars at least uh from the company because he basically exposed himself to a spacex flight attendant <laughs> asking her for massage and all sorts of other things and asking if they you know she could do more Everything he's ever done now, they're going to come after everything. And he didn't have to do that to himself. You know, he had been skating in this world with not a lot of scrutiny for, frankly, a lot of smoke. Okay, lots of smoke, not that much scrutiny because he's kind of this personality cult within himself. And like, you know, I get that like his timeline, there must have been some really annoying prodding from the left. But, like, who takes, like, your Twitter comment critics seriously? Mm, right. I mean, <laughs> like, especially also, not a billionaire genius guy who can land rockets backwards, right? Well, they say he can. I'm not sure he can. I mean, he seems like a figurehead to me. But there's only 60% of his Twitter followers are apparently fake or complete bots, which is kind of a, someone did an analysis claiming that. That doesn't strike 60, me as surprising. Sixty percent, yeah, six zero. Well, that's good because the dude's got ninety three million or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I think about that's yeah. a shit ton of people to hit with misinformation. You know, anti-vax, well, weird shit. You know. <laughs> the thing about you know the reason why it's so important that these retweets become so significant is that's what gets amplified. I mean, it gets additionally amplified. It's not just the retweets that are being, you know, creating an amplification on the message, Twitter's algorithm amplifies things that are retweeted a lot. So you get a double effect every time you get amplified. So if he's got an extra 60 million amplifications on every tweet that he puts out, that's multiple, it's multiples of that that ultimately uh, change the messaging around, around the world. And it's why we're in the hole we're in, I believe, you know, Twitter is the battlefield that all of this is waging on, at least from a policy and a messaging perspective. And it's a wild west out there. It really does not favor what it claims to favor, which is the individual expression. But I meander a little bit there. Let me stop meandering. <laughs> yeah, um, you only got 10 minutes. You better stay on task. I got, it, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. We stay back on task. So here we go. My last Republican to celebrate this week is Mr. Steve Wynn, who is Steve Wynn, is the chairman or the chief finance person for the Republican National Party at the time of Donald Trump's election. Well, turns out that he works for China. According to officials, he has to register as a foreign agent because of his work representing Chinese interests. Not surprising, because we know a lot about the Chinese interests of Donald Trump. We've specifically addressed them on this show many, many times. The many uh, loans he's gotten from China, the tons of people around him in his circle, from Steve Bannon to Eric Prince, to even his uh, son-in-law, Jared, and his daughter, Ivanka, they all have these ties to China. And now so does Steve Wynn. He's the casino magnet. Of course, you know him as that in the real world. Uh, but the U.S. Department of Justice on Tuesday sued Steve Wynn, the billionaire former casino mogul and senior Republican fundraiser, to compel him to register under the Foreign Agents Registration Act as an agent of China. The department said Wynn, so had uh, Wynn, it was 80, had contacted then U.S. President Donald Trump and members of his Republican administration in 2017 to convey China's request, China's request to cancel the visa or otherwise remove a Chinese business person who had sought political asylum in the United States. I mean, that's bad. This is a guy fundraising, the chief fundraiser for the Republican National Party. And on top of that, he's taking orders or requests from the Chinese government. 
And between him and Steve Adelson, was another Adelson? What is Adelson's first name? Uh, Sheldon. That's, Sheldon Adelson yeah, was Sheldon. the other guy. That's it. Yeah. Two casino magnets, both with huge empires in Macau, which yep. is China's big mobbed up casino area. These guys are, all have their fortunes tied up in Macau. Sheldon, of course, is dead now, but when he was alive and his wife still does his work for him, you know, all the money comes from China. And so does it turns out does Steve Wynn's money come from China. So anytime you hear Donald Trump or anyone in MAGA world tell you that they're anti-China or that they've I got know. any part, they're not anti-China. They are living off China. Oh, they've been China. bought and paid for by China. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of like being anti-China, except yeah. for completely fucking opposite. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but that's so true. I mean, it's like, it's the right? most critical thing. And there they, they are people who went to that insurrection on Jan 6 and they were like determined. They were like, you know, we're going to keep China out of America. We're going to stop America from becoming a lot like China, like communist China. No, that's not the case. Hey, Hammy. Hammy. Oh. Hey, Hammy. Oh, how are you here. Oh, I love Hammy. <laughs> Hammy makes, is like the best moment of my week. I'm sure it must be the best moment of yours too. Um, he says it's, Hugging time. It's um, hugging time. No, it's not. It's it's actually. You're Emmy, it's not hugging time. <laughs> he thinks it is. He thinks it is. But you know, you you he hug away. Hug. I'm going to read some of the messages here, and then we'll let you go and hug away. There yeah, let's go. be real. All MAGA is super dark. That's this ain't our mama's GOP we're dealing with now. That is correct. You know, let's look at some of the stuff that's coming off YouTube. Samantha M says. Oh, they've all started giving us alternative names for the dark MAGA party. I'm going to avoid saying some of those because I get taken off YouTube. Oh, and Donald says Biden is in bed with China. Yes, Carlene Martin points this very, very important detail out that, you know, we've been hearing about Biden's associations with China or supposed associations with China, including the Hunter Biden scandal. Well, I mean, nothing compares to the amount of money that China is pouring into the GOP and into these uh, casino magnets that are supporting and, and upholding the GOP. And this is why, you know, we started off the show talking about a crime cartel. This is what they are. They are a crime cartel. They're basically run, owned, and sorted, right. and want to do crime. That's what their goal is. You know, they will take everything out of this country that is worth anything. That no is their, shit. America, to these people, we're just a thiefdom. Right. And we're so easy to pick off. I mean, like we're (laughs) we're so weak in our laws that they're just able to come right in. And, you know, the Supreme Court paved the way, of course, with Citizens United to make it. uh, That's why I was just tweeting about. I was like, listen, guys. I know that like we want big money out of politics, but we don't live in that world. We live in this world. And right now in this world, they have a whole handful of billionaires. We just talked about two of them. One of them's dead and replaced by his wife. They have a, like a dozen mm. who are spending and cutting and funding a massive infrastructure. This massive infrastructure we look at in all on the right is yeah. funded by these billionaires, right? Absolutely. And absolutely. so, you know, at the end of the day, to be able to compete against them, I'm absolutely willing to say we need a few good billionaires right now to stand up we for democracy. We do need them. You're they absolutely do. right. There's no way to compete <laughs> against these guys unless we do that. And the stakes are really super high. I mean, you mentioned Citizens United and it takes us right back to Clarence Thomas. You know, would Citizens right. United have been around without Clarence Thomas? I don't know. But uh, probably not. And Jenny Thomas was there endorsing Citizens United way back then, as she is today. Yeah, she, I'm sure she helped seed it because you yeah. guys, people have to remember Citizens United. I mean, it's not like Rosa Parks on the bus where it was a completely contrived situation. Yeah. But this dude made a Hillary Clinton movie that was just a bash and was just full of lies and bullshit to frame Hillary Clinton and wanted to air it on television during the campaign. That's how this shit started, right? This idea that does these big money corporations have is money speech. And like, you know, we, so important for people to understand they have this system. There are billionaires that do good. Bill Gates does good. He's trying to save, you know, millions. He's probably saved millions of lives on the African continent, Mm -hmm. but there is almost none billionaires that are willing to build and fund infrastructure for going toe-to-toe against the republican machine and that my friends unfortunately i'm sad to say is something we absolutely need because you know in their food chain i came back from that charlie kirk show and i told you guys they have a whole complex that one little outfit turning point usa which is explicitly focused or directly focused on college campus like indoctrination, right? That's yeah. the goal of Journey Point. And that's so important to the Republican Party. And they're swimming in so much 
fucking money that mm-hmm. they've given, the, given Charlie Kirk an entire compound down there. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, all the, all the all these YouTubers and you know, these people on the far right who do what I do get enormous amounts of funding, get tons of advertising, yeah. get a lot of support from who knows whom, that they've all got these compounds. I mean, they've all got these like secret compounds yes. in Texas. Like, I can't even afford my rent in my apartment here in New York. So it's like, you know, where is the, sorry, in Toronto, but there's no equivalency in terms of how much money is available on the left. And, and right. then like even people who are a little bit more into that, like what they want to, like the Knight Foundation, what it wants yeah. to focus on is nonpartisan 503c4 whatever shit yeah, right yeah. where they don't have so, but the problem with that is then you have to bleach the politics out of the product right mm, yeah <laughs> so it's the exact opposite of what we need we need billionaires at least a couple to step up and say i'm going to start cutting checks to build institutions that are going to go toe-to-toe against this fascist machine and if it doesn't happen really soon guys it's going to roll over us because at the end of the day vote like these midterms are going to come down to salience and money by salience if you're on tv and you're able to buy billboards and you're there's a lot of money being spent in a race that's to the good for us right and right now they are going to have this cash advantages because our primary funding is bottom up. It's not mm. at all top down financed. It's yeah. bad. And there's not enough bottom up to support it, especially in the middle of a recession that might be coming and, and other challenges like inflation. So, uh, on that note, cheerful as it might be, it's good to Hammy see you again, Rachel. I love Hammy. Oh, Hammy my God. says, I like happy hour. I like it's Hammy. Had you be the Hammy hour? Which would be the happy hour? Yet. Can we have the Hammy <laughs> hour next week? It'll follow Maybe the happy it's hour. It's always Hammy hour. He's, I get the feeling, always going to check in about five of five you know he's just the best i love them i love him and i love you rachel bit of coffee thank you for being here tonight anything you want to share with everybody in terms of promotion or anything you'd like to tell people nope just stay out of trouble (laughs) or tell trouble to stay out of you (laughs) oh you'll stay in trouble i hope because you're doing some good trouble over there that's the show for tonight we'll see everyone on tuesday on narrative live and until then don't forget you can join narrative at patreon.com forward slash narrative have a good night and a great weekend everybody Narrative is made possible by viewers like you. You too can support our independent journalism by going to www.patreon.com forward slash narrative.